Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is, no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Mark the calendar, June 22nd, Tuesday, June 22nd, 2020. The day and the evening that the protest movement in Wisconsin officially as I pointed out on Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620. The time and the day the protest movement in Wisconsin officially jumped the shark and moved from legitimate protest into anarchy. I said during the conversation with Steve Scafidi that there is one word that describes both the governor of the state of Wisconsin and the mayor of Madison. That word is weak. And because of their weakness, you saw what happened yesterday. For those who haven't been keeping track, let me kind of review the bidding on this. The, 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 the stuff and the problems in Madison really began, you know, late Tuesday afternoon. What happened earlier in that day is there's a guy named Devonir Johnson, 28 years old, who walked into a restaurant on the Capitol Square and began harassing people who were eating there. Walks in with a baseball bat and a bullhorn and starts screaming at people. Well, okay. Look, this at this point in time, you you are not engaging in legitimate protest. You are on private property. You are disturbing the peace. When the police came to arrest him, he decided he was not going to go peacefully. And um, a, a number of Madison police officers had to, after he resisted arrest, had to carry him to the squad car. All right, this Johnson character has um, been one of the group of quote unquote activists who've been out on the streets as one of the, you know, unofficial sort of protest participants, if not leaders. All right. So he, he gets thrown into the Huskow for walking into the restaurant with the baseball bat and harassing patrons. By early evening, protesters, anarchists, terrorists had gathered outside the Dane County Jail where he was being held, and then they began marching downtown. About 300 protesters blocked traffic, yelled at drivers, demanded them to join the demonstration. This is the way the Madison papers describe it. A few drivers drove through some of the crowds of protesters, leaving at least one man injured. Organizers stood on top of a tow truck, vowing that the night would not be peaceful. Um, Here's what one says. This is not a peaceful protest. So if you came out here for a peaceful protest, you missed it. We're done being peaceful. We are demanding justice. Protesters wrapped chains around forward. That's the bronze statue of the woman that's located at the straight State Street corner of Capitol Square and pulled pulled that statue down around 1045. The sculpture is a replica of a sculpture cast in 1893 and installed in the Capitol in 1895. It's designed as an allegory for devotion and progress. All right, so we're tearing down the forward statue. The mob... 
not happy with that, then moves on. The protesters move to another statue, one of Colonel Hans Christian Haig at the top of King Street. They tore it down and dragged it into Lake Monona. Haig was a Norwegian immigrant and journalist who died at the Battle of Chickamauga fighting to preserve the United States and end slavery. All right, so you've got the background here uh, of what goes on. All right, that does not... That does not stop, you know, what ends up happening. All right. Now, while this is going on, the police are essentially nowhere in sight. We we have ceded the streets of Madison to the anarchists. All right. Protesters then set a fire on one of the windows at the city county building downtown, which also houses the Madison Police Department's downtown station. Another group shatters the front entrance windows of the Tommy G. Thompson Center on public leadership, which houses several state offices. Other protesters knock down street cameras or spray paint over lenses. At one point in time, you have a couple of these thugs punch State Senator Tim Carpenter, who's a Democrat from Milwaukee, he he's he's out on the streets. He's taking a picture of, of this, and what happens is a couple of these people bum rush Senator Carpenter and and punch him in the face, um, and then apparently start. You have a mob of people that start kicking him when he is on the ground. Just before one a.m. today. Protesters, terrorist thugs, are trying to break the windows and the doors of the state capitol. At this point in time, police finally arrive in riot gear and say the group was unlawfully gathered. (laughs) Okay, this is 1 o'clock in the morning as you have these mobs that are running through the streets starting stuff on fire. Okay, free yeshuva. Um, who is, that's the, the name that the guy that got arrested earlier in the day uses. The crowd chanted as they hurled taunts at insults at police officers. Confrontation ended about 2.30 a.m. as the crowd thinned and the police um, eventually ended up standing down. Now, okay, you've you got to understand the background of this. That's what's been going on in Madison. And it, it started when you had the first protests a couple weeks ago. As a general rule, the Madison police... The Capitol Police, acting, I believe, on the instructions of the mayor and with the blessing of the governor, have not acted to arrest protests sooner, protesters sooner. They've let them block traffic. They've let them throw rocks through windows. They've let them deface public property. They've let them harass citizens. When the mayor applauded, remember this, the mayor of Madison, who is extremely weak, when she applauded, you know, sent out a message to the police telling them how much she admired their restraint and all and, and how they, they'd handled stuff. She had to backtrack of that when some of the terrorist thugs, anarchists, found out about it and said, well, she, she's supporting the police. You can't have that happen. Now, the governor today says, well, you know, violence against any person is wrong. It should never be tolerated. Okay, well, you know, where has he been for the last several weeks? City officials have so far declined to use police to protect buildings on city property, um, which has resulted in in widespread looting. Um, Ever says, well, I'm going to continue to work with local law enforcement to understand their response, and I might have to call out the National Guard. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, here is my question. Is enough finally enough? 
Are we going to allow the streets of the capital of this state to be overrun by the terrorists and the anarchists? In my opinion, the weak response from both the mayor and the governor led up to what happened yesterday. And it set a permissive climate to allow that to happen. And now you have a situation where you have the people who, for whatever reasons, aren't satisfied with the peaceful protests, who've now decided to ratchet this up to the point that we're going to storm into restaurants, we're going to scream and intimidate uh, diners, we're going to try to get our way, and then when we get arrested, we're going to have hundreds of other people that come out on the streets bent on destruction. Enough is enough. And it seems to me it's way past time. I don't know if they even made any arrests last night. Don't know for sure if they made any arrests last night. I know the first couple nights of the protests when you had widespread arson, vandalism, and looting, they they made, what, I think three arrests the first night. How could you only make three arrests? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is beyond time for the governor, for the mayor, and for the law-abiding, decent citizens of Madison to demand that their streets be taken back. And if you have these protests, they need to be met by an immediate and swift police response. And if that means you arrest 300 people or 500 people, fine, do it. You cannot allow this to continue. And last night, in my opinion, was the night when the protest movement in Madison completely and totally jumped the shark, attacking people, trying to break, breaking windows, trying to set buildings on fire, all the while it was allowed to essentially happen. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Finally, at long last, is enough enough? And if last night wasn't enough, what the heck is it going to take? We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, the Madison elite are not troubled by protest because they are largely made up of 60s radicals who think protest is cool. This is no longer cool. There's nothing cool about this. Downtown Madison looks like 1980s era Beirut. You know, there is an element of, of truth to that. After the initial round of protests that had the looting and the arsons and all the windows broken out, the, 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 the mayor's solution was when the business owners go and they put plywood over over the, the store windows, let's have street artists come in and, and paint different murals on the on on the on the plywood. Okay, isn't that wonderful? Okay, well, what, what about why aren't you out, uh, outraged about the fact that you know there's this looting going on and the store windows are being broken as opposed to oh, isn't this cool that we have all the paintings on the plywood that's up there after the windows were busted? We we really have gone through the looking glass. Let's start with Kent in Cedarburg. Kent, you're on WTMJ. Yes, hey, Jeff. Um, I guess if I'm in a restaurant and a person walks in with a baseball bat and is acting obnoxious, I would fully expect that the police would come in and remove that person, and, and I'd be scared and intimidated regardless of race. Yeah. Um, yeah, if somebody comes in with a baseball bat and a megaphone and starts screaming at diners, yeah, <laughs> yes, you would be intimidated, I would be intimidated, and you're right. I'd want the police to come there and haul the person out. You know, and, and the second, I, I guess, I, you know, the question or point is, I don't know why the National Guard, peaceful protesting is great. Sure. But, and, and I, I don't take the time to dig into who's doing the protesting and causing the chaos. My, 
but my guess is it's probably a younger demographic. Sure. So there's got to be accountability, and people are having to pay to clean up the statues, replace the cameras, downtown businesses in Madison. So if if I'm younger and I've been in the state my life, like I don't care. This is this is probably fun chaos. Yeah, well, well, right. You're not going to get held accountable. Well, no. Thanks for calling. You're you're, you're exactly right. And and this is the environment that the governor fostered, and the mayor of Madison fostered, and a number of elected officials fostered by by taking this hands off approach. Oh, we don't want to antagonize the the. And the anarchists. We don't want to upset the protesters. We don't want to get people upset. So what what inevitably happens is people start pushing the envelope further and further. If you would have had, I think, early on a, a tougher response to this, you, you would not have seen what happened yesterday. Even to this day, you, you've got the weak governor who has no clue as, well, I'm, I might have to call out the National Guard because I, I, I'm, I'm upset with people trying to burn down the Capitol buildings and breaking windows and punching out state senators. Well, yes, I, I, I would hope that you, you would be. And, and the fact that you're tolerating this and that you have tolerated it over the course of the last several weeks says a lot about, you know, what's going on here. And should we be surprised that this this is the end result of that opinion, essentially uh, allowing people to run amok. Let's talk to Lance in Beaver Dam. Lance, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Good. What do you think? Good. I've been listening to you for a long time. I'm a fan. I, I respect your opinion. But you said earlier, when is enough enough, Jeff? Yep. And my thing is this. That's what we have been saying. I'm a black man. We have been saying for a very long time, when is enough is enough. And I don't agree. Let's just start there. I come from a police family. I don't agree with anything that happened last night. I do agree and protest it. I do agree. If people want to protest until the end of the year, until next year, that's fine. But I, I still hear a little tension from people, like, when is the protesting going to be over? Jeff, we have been dealing with this for a long time. People shouldn't be tearing things up because you and I have to pay for that. That's well, well, not only that, that, Lance, but th- would you agree with me that stuff like happened yesterday? And, and by the way, it, it wasn't just, I, I mean, it, it wasn't just black people or Hispanic people. Or, uh, there, was, there were a lot of white people there, too. So th- this this was not oh, yeah. a, a racial. I mean, this the people that were engaging in this were people of all different colors. Would you agree with me that for people like you who, who you know, understand that there's legitimate issues with regard to race in this country. Stuff like happens yesterday is extremely counterproductive because most people look at this and say, wait, this is just way too far. I mean, I think this really hurts the legitimate protest movement that's out there. And it it does, Jeff. It really does hurt the the protest. But it's like, I guess, I think the, the thing that, you know, maybe I might come off wrong saying this, but I think when the pro if we stop if the national guard comes out which is you know going to scare people because it's the national guard mm-hmm. um i think that's when everything may just get silent yeah you're going to still have debates about george floyd and police brutality and all that good stuff but overall i think that's going to silent it and i'm assuming i'm assuming you know that's why people are doing what they're doing because they don't want to be silent I don't agree with going into a restaurant with a megaphone. I would have lost my mind on that guy right. if he would have did that to with me. With a baseball bat and um, a megaphone, yeah. Yeah, with a baseball bat, man. I'm just, I'm not with that, Jeff. I, I just, I just want people to understand that, you know, what they're doing, protesting, 
if it's peaceful, I'm not with burning our capital or anything. Right. But if it's peaceful, allow them to be allow them to be great and do what they do. That's and, all I'm saying, right, Lance. And, but, I, and I appreciate that, and, and I don't disagree with that. And, and that's why for the the different and thanks a lot for the call for and the perspective for for the the marches that have been largely peaceful. I I I think that that's. That's that's fine. But what you're starting to see now, at least in my opinion, is you're starting to see there, whether it's splinter groups or whatever, that's deciding, and this happens a lot, we're going to hijack this movement. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to be more aggressive. And we're going to walk into the restaurants with the megaphones and the baseball bats and get into people's faces. I, I say that happened in Wauwatosa last week at the Cheesecake Factory. It's like Cheesecake Factory had nothing to do with any of the things that the people were protesting. But we're we're going to be disruptive. And then then you have it degenerate into complete and total anarchy. And for the people who want to bring about change in this country, I'm telling you, stuff like what happened in Madison yesterday, that's two steps back. Because I, I think there's a lot of people of goodwill who look at this and say, this is this is just nuts. And it cannot be allowed to go on. And I think the people who are the leaders of the, the responsible protests, they've got to recognize that they're losing control of this because there, there's people out there that have decided this is what we're going to do. Plus, I, look, I'm, I'm also – I understand what's going on here as well. You have – a combination of things. People have been cooped up with coronavirus. Everybody's on their last nerve. You, you've got the horrible examples of the, the police misconduct in, in Minneapolis and all that, and that's kind of fueling the fire. But I, I'm telling you something. You know, I think people of goodwill would have to agree. You cannot allow what happened in Madison to ha- continue going on. And that is unfortunately what has been allowed to happen. And it's time for the governor and the mayor of Madison and other people of goodwill to wake up and say, this is it. We're not going to tolerate this anymore. Back with more in just a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So the Madison mayor recognizes that what happened yesterday was far from peaceful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the governor says, "Well, I, you know, we we have to figure out what we're going to do." No, you, 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 you should have stopped this weeks ago when you had the first round. And of course, nobody gets charged, nobody gets arrested. I mean, that, that's one of my questions: Was anybody arrested last night? How can you allow hundreds of people to engage in this type of assaultive behavior and vandalize things and, and just? try to burn down things, and we, we just essentially stand down. Here's a text. Jeff, I'm a retired police uh, chief. One of my proudest moments was when my son told me he also wanted to pursue a career in police work. I made a half-hearted effort to talk him out of it without success. He's a Madison officer now, and it makes me sick to my stomach when I see what I perceive to be the complete lack of support the mayor gives the Madison Police Department. It boggles my mind that she not only permits, but seems to encourage the misconduct rioting, looting, and associated violence Madison ha- is having to deal with. I pray for my son, uh, you know, daily. Well, yeah, you can kind of understand that. Here's a text. So, Evers is thinking about calling in the National Guard if necessary. I think it might be a little bit um, late. Jeff, be very thankful that we do not live in Columbus, Ohio. I have family just outside downtown Columbus, and there are Antifa protesters who have literally taken over 
over 17 blocks of downtown Columbus. What the news media does not report is every single night I have family members who um, pass humongous bonfires down below. He can see them from the interstate on the way home from work. Um, um just a- absolutely, you know, um, amazing that, that all this is is going on. And like I say, if you want to know a day and you want to mark a day on the calendar where the protest movement jumped the shark, it, it, at least in Wisconsin, it, it was it was last night. And with just the, the senseless vandalism, and it wasn't a protest. And, and, and candidly, as the people who were responsible for this said early on, this is not going to be a peaceful protest. No, this, this was... Anarchy, it was violence, and public officials in Madison stood by and let it happen. Jeff, the media, here's a text. The media continues to call these protests when they're nothing but rioting. Yeah, that yesterday was not a protest. Yesterday was a riot that authorities allowed to happen. This type of um, reporting validates their actions. It hurts the movement for change, to which I say amen. Protesters, legitimate protesters, need to step up and support or work with police to arrest these thugs. You know, I have a texter who points out that, well, you know, it, it wasn't all people of one racial group. No, that's what I said when we were talking to Lance. You, the, the, the people that are caught on camera punching out, and at least initially, the people who launched the initial attack uh, on, on Senator Tim Carpenter were, appeared to me to be a couple of white women, and then all sorts of other people apparently joined in. Jeff, try arresting everyone. See how that goes. Well, okay, yes. Here, so here's here's the choice, and I understand that there are people out there, and you know who you are, who just think, well, what the heck? Let, let's let people destroy stuff. Let's let people burn things down. Let's let people attack innocent bystanders because, well, that that's just the thing to do. Yeah, yes, I, you you do arrest people who are breaking the law. And, of course, then what you do is you prosecute them. Now, that's the other thing in Dane County. But, yes, when you go to try to light a building on fire, yes, you should be arrested. When you attack people who are on the street, yes, you should be arrested. And if other of the thug rioters don't like that, well, they should be arrested, too, when they act up. This is not legitimate protest. This is anarchy, and civilized society does not need to tolerate it. And unfortunately, in Madison, they've tolerated it way too long. So, yeah, call out the National Guard. You've got video from a lot of the people who were acting up yesterday. You've got pictures showing the the different statues that are being destroyed. You know who a lot of the people are. Yes, arrest them and then demand that the district attorney prosecute him. Or if the district attorney won't prosecute him, have the attorney general get off his butt and have the State Department of Justice get involved in the prosecutions. But, but yeah, this hurts the protest movement, but you cannot allow this to go on. And, yes, if arresting people that are looting and committing arson, if that makes other people upset, too bad, then you arrest them, too, if they engage in criminal behavior. You cannot tolerate this. And by the way, for the people who want to see political stuff on this, and I've tried, I I don't think this is a political thing. I I know some people think that, you know, this is an effort um, by the left to create chaos that make it more likely that Biden's going to get elected. I I, I don't, I I don't think that's the case. I I, I just, I, I, I don't. But if you do want to 
from a political perspective, make people who might have decided that they didn't want to vote for President Trump reconsider that? I mean, you you throw some of these states into turmoil. And, you know, if the question is, gee, who do you think is better suited to deal with the looters and the arsonists and the anarchists, you know, Joe Biden or Donald Trump? Well, don't be surprised if many people say, well, I, I think it, it's Trump and maybe we got to take another look at it. It's just what happened last night in Madison cannot be allowed to happen again. Don't know if the mayor or the governor get that, but that's just the reality. Back with more in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. And yes, we will discuss what happened in Milwaukee yesterday as well. Um, that's coming up after the one o'clock news. All right. New Marquette University Law School poll out. Uh, the results are interesting. And I, and I understand that there are people out there who just do not believe in polls. I, I'm not one of them. I, I think pollsters have have gotten it wrong a lot lately over the last, you know, several, at least the last couple elections. There's a lot of reasons for that. Part of it is just technology makes it more difficult to to track down people. I think, as we have talked about before, there's people who, who lie to the pollsters or who, who don't give honest answers. And I think that tends to underrepresent the support of President Trump when the question is about President Trump. But, but at the same time, I, I think... You know, polls are fair to look at, especially if you look at a series of polls conducted by the same pollsters over time. I, I think it, it gives you some evidence of trends. Doesn't mean it's gospel or anything like that. And polls are, of course, always snapshots of time. But I, I think it, it's silly if you don't, if you just simply say, well, I don't believe in polls and I, I'm going to completely ignore them. So the new Marquette University Law School poll is out. Here's some of the interesting things. Um, they, they polled registered voters as opposed to likely voters. That, that's a difference. And typically it's the likely voters that you, you really want to look at more so than the registered voters. But uh, again, they're comparing this poll result to other poll results, and I think it gives you some interesting stuff. So here's the number. Among registered voters, their newest poll in Wisconsin, um, asking who would you vote for if the election was held today, Biden or Trump, and the numbers Biden 49%, Trump 41%. Now, in early May, so like a month and a half ago, five weeks ago, the numbers was Biden 46, Trump 43. So uh, Biden has picked up some support from a month ago. Trump has lost some support. And then if you go back to February, for example, the head-to-head was 46-46. So the trend is people moving towards Joe Biden. You take it for what it's worth, but the same poll, that's the number. Their uh, overall job approval rating of the president, um, his approval rating is 45%, 51% say they disagree. In um, May, the last poll, 47% approval, 49% disapproval, February 48 and 48. So what you're seeing is a, a small shift but a shift nonetheless. And so now you have hit him underwater, the president underwater by five or six points in the latest poll. Um, let's see. Trump's handling of nationwide protests after the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. 30% approve, 58% disapprove. Trump's handling of coronavirus issues. 44% approve, 52% disapprove. Um, that's 
actually pretty much the same. Last month when they asked the same question, 44% approval, 51% disapproval. So that's essentially the same. Now, here's one of the things that I think as this election moves forward, it's a key number because one of the best things, the, the most significant thing up until a few months ago that President Trump had going for him in his reelection bid was the, the economy. The economy was going gangbusters. People were working. And then you had COVID-19, which just, I mean, crashed down on the American economy like a ton of bricks. So, I mean, here's the here's the numbers. Um when they ask him, do you approve or disapprove of his handling of the economy, 50% approve, 46% disapprove. So he's still, he's not underwater, but nevertheless, it's it's not this huge number. Um, in May, it was 54% approve, 40% disapprove. So again, um, at least in this poll, support for President Trump has declined. One of the things they say is that it, part of that reason is among people who self-identify as Republicans, you have at least some leakage of support. Like two months ago, it was 93% approved. Now it's down to like 80-some percent or or something like that. But take it for what it's worth. But I, I think it does, to me, demonstrate. I understand there's some people who want to stick their heads in the sand about this who are President Trump supporters. It does demonstrate that there are there are some big problems that are out there that the Trump campaign faces. And you're, you're seeing this in not only seeing it in national polls, Fox. Uh, what the, let's see. Let me see. The New York Times. And I understand you might be rolling your eyes when I mention the New York Times. New York Times out with its first national poll. And, um, and again, it's national polling. And, and we elect a president by the Electoral College and state by state. But the uh, their first numbers, Trump. 36%, Biden 50%. So it, it has a 14-point spread. That's similar to what a Fox News poll was the other day. So it, it you you can say, okay, the, the polls don't matter, and I don't believe the pollsters, and they under-report the, the support President Trump has. And I understand all those arguments, and the under-reporting the Trump, the, the Trump support might be true. But, but these are pretty big gaps. And keep in mind also that when President Trump won in 2016, he pretty much ran the table from an electoral college perspective. You know, he he won states that people didn't necessarily think he was going to win. He he won he won Pennsylvania. He won Michigan. He won Wisconsin. You know, he he held Florida and, and other states as well. Now, what you're starting to see, if you look at the electoral map, is he he's trailing in a number of those battleground states and he's also trailing in, in some of the states that he absolutely has to have if he's if he's going to win i i'm i'm not predicting the election i am just saying though that right now president trump is facing a significant headwind and if you ask me do i believe the numbers in wisconsin and you know it, it, is it exactly correct you know that that trump is behind by like 7 or 8 points no but do i think it's at least likely that he's behind? The answer is yes. And I think the Trump campaign probably believes that as well because uh, they're, they're spending time. He's going to be in Wisconsin tomorrow, um, for example. And my guess is he's going to be in Wisconsin on multiple occasions um, a- as well. So uh, take it for what it's worth. But those are the latest numbers. And to me, just I, they, they make sense to me. Doesn't mean the election is over. But it does show that, um, especially 
when you thought the election was going to be on the economy, and now you've got the the unrest, and now you've got the whole coronavirus concerns. It's a whole different dynamic, and how you turn this around is, I think, going to be a challenge. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Well, as it turns out, nothing to see here. Um, you, the, over the last couple of days, th- there's been this huge investigation into what happened at the Talladega Super Speedway um, in um, in Talladega, Alabama, big NASCAR race. This is one of the, the big races at NASCAR. There is one African-American uh, driver in, in NASCAR. His name is Daryl Wallace Jr. And, of course, NASCAR has recently come out, and they've said, look, we're not going to tolerate Confederate flags in the stadiums and the, at, at the racetracks and things like that. And so what, what happens is at the stall, you know, it, everybody – at these speedways, you know, all the different drivers get assigned to different garages. So, you know, Daryl Wallace is assigned to this garage, and what they they somebody notices is that there is this rope that's tied to the garage door, and it, it's formed in, in what appears to be a noose. And so this has been this investigation. Oh, is this is it a hate crime? You know, who did this? You've got the one black driver that's there, and now you've got this noose that's on the door, et cetera, et cetera. The FBI comes in, and, and I mean, NASCAR was concerned about it. Well, it now turns out that there, there's nothing to see here because apparently the FBI's investigation, here, here's what ended up happening. The, these garage doors on the these garages at the NASCAR things, they're these huge doors. And, and they don't have automatic garage door openers like most of us have nowadays. What happens is they have to be manually raised and lowered. So it is not uncommon to have ropes that are tied around the handles of these large doors. And so what happens is when you when you want to lower the door, you, you pull on the rope. Well, the rope has to be attached to the handle in some way, shape, or form. And so people tie the rope around it. And apparently on this one garage... You know, it's tied in in what some people perceive to be a noose, which is okay. It's just it's how you attach, in this particular case, the rope to the garage door handle. The FBI comes out and apparently they're they're able to find photographs that this this rope has been attached to the garage door handle in this fashion since since last fall. I mean, so it's been there. This is just there. And it happened to be a, a coincidence, an unfortunate coincidence, I guess, that this was the this was the garage that was assigned to um, Daryl Wallace. But they find no evidence that there's any sort of hate crime that's there. And apparently there are other ropes that are tied to other garages as well, but they're all tied in different sort of fashions. So the, the, the bottom line of this is that it you, you can call it a, a noose, but it, it's it, it's a it's a tow rope is, is what it is. And it's used for, again, lifting and, and closing the garage door, and this is just the way the knot is tired, uh, tied. So FBI says nothing to see here, no hate crime in this particular case. Whether some people are going to be satisfied with that, I, I, I don't know. But that's the answer. This was not a hate crime. It was... You know, it was just the way somebody tied a rope to the garage door so they could raise and lower the door. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I have a serious question for, for you, for the mayor, 
for elected officials in the city of Milwaukee. And that question is, how does this all end? You know, interestingly, you know, we, we were talking about the riots, and that's what they were in Madison last night that went by largely largely endorsed, if not endorsed, certainly not stopped by the mayor of Madison and the governor of the state who now is saying, well, maybe we need to call out the National Guard. Well, okay, maybe you should have done that a couple weeks ago, but I digress. So we had another incident, a huge incident in Milwaukee yesterday afternoon. And at least at this point in time, you have a frustrated police chief. And and I don't hear the condemnation from the mayor and from members of the Common Council. And I, I seriously wonder, what is the end game here? If you haven't been following the story, here's here's the deal. And this is the way the Journal Sentinel reports it in general. There's the police have been investigating reports that there there's two young girls 13 to 15 who've been you know it, it commandeered for sex trafficking and they might have been at a house in the 2100 block of North 40th Street this is a problem house there have been multiple reports over the last year or two uh, of problems at the house the cops have been there on on numerous occasions all right so Monday and Tuesday police respond to this home numerous times to check for the missing girls. The report is these missing girls are there. So the cops come over on multiple occasions. They cannot find them. All right, so about 10 o'clock yesterday morning, a group of people, we will call them the mob, looking for the girls go to the home. All right, at that point in time, police are called back to the scene. Uh, There's a trouble with a subject call. Uh, Again, so they go because you've got this this mob that is now taking it upon themselves to see if they can find the girls. So the police show up. They respond again around 11 o'clock in the morning, and there is an exchange of gunfire between somebody inside the home and somebody from a group of people, the mob, trying to get inside. All right, so now no injuries were reported. Okay, so now this is all going on yesterday morning. A crowd then begins to gather near the home, all right? And and we're talking about a large crowd. And, of course, now it's starting to be live streamed on Facebook, so people are checking this out as well. Police officers, all right, then they, they form a perimeter. They stand outside the house while investigators come and go into the house to, to do their job. But you now have to have police officers that are outside to stop the mob from getting in and let the investigators do their job. Some people were shouting at the officers, screaming, cursing at them. At this point in time, all right, so you've got the officers that are just trying to protect the building to allow the investigators to do their work. At this point in time, some in the mob start to throw bricks at the officers. And the police chief is very clear. These aren't rocks. People are throwing bricks at the cops, according to the Journal Sentinel, by mid-afternoon. The crowd had swelled to several hundred people. About 15 to 20 officers form a line outside the house to keep the crowd back. All right. Finally, the investigators finish what they're doing, the police, and then the police leave. At this point in time, the mob surges towards the house as, according to the Journal Sentinel, some in the group wanted to look for evidence that supported rumors of sex trafficking. Okay, so like the cops couldn't find it, so the mob is going to break in. Some break into the house while others smash the windows of a vehicle parked on the property. 
all right, at this point in time, the police come back. And and this time, they're because the, the mob is getting out of control, they, they wear face shields, they hold batons, they form lines outside the house. At this point in time, groups of people begin an effort to look for the girls in nearby residences. At 5.45 p.m., people set a couch, a vehicle, and a house on fire. At 5.45 p.m., people set a couch, a vehicle, and a house on fire. Fire crews then arrive to put out the flame. As the crews are fighting the fire, all right, people start trying to go after the police, each other, and the fire department. Two 14-year-olds were shot, not by the police, but by people in the crowd. At this point in time, police fire tear gas, rubber bullets, and pepper spray at some of the slash protesters, I, I would say members of the mob. Several, okay, um... The police chief, who is then questioned, well, why did you use tear gas and why did you use rubber bullets? And he's like, you know, what are you talking about? You know, you've got people throwing bricks at the police officers. You've got people setting stuff on fire. You've got people attacking, trying to attack the firefighters who are trying to put out the fire. And, and you're, we've got people shooting each other in the crowd. And you're wondering why we've used tear gas to try to disperse the crowd. He says we had to go out there and do a rescue in the middle of an angry crowd. Um, all right, it, it goes on and on, and then some of the protesters move uh, move away. You know, finally, all right. So that that's the the circumstance that's there. I um I, I made an exception to one of my rules. I try not to watch the ten o'clock news. That's just one of my rules. But last night, my wife came over to me and she said, "You got to turn this on. You got to watch and see the the press conference being conducted by the chief of police, who is angry. He's frustrated." with having to deal with, number one, a, a, a mob, number two, a mob that has some degree of vigilantism in it, number three, a mob that's out of control, that's burning, that's attacking the, the police officers, and he's saying, look, we, we, we can't do our our job. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, what's interesting is you're not hearing a lot from Mayor Tom Barrett today. You're not hearing a lot from members of the Common Council about what happened yesterday. But, but my question, and it is a serious one, where do we go from here? If we are now at the point where if the police show up at a location in the city of Milwaukee to try to do their job, they are going to be met by angry mobs insistent on burning down buildings and throwing bricks at them. I mean, what is the end game here? And is the end game that you're simply going to have police officers who are going to refuse to go out to, to certain crime scenes? Are we going to have situations where the fire department is going to refuse to go to certain locations to try to put out fires because they're going to be attacked by the mob? And is that the type of community that people want to live in? And I understand I would normally ask that in a rhetorical fashion, and the obvious answer would be no, but I'm, I'm seriously beginning to wonder uh, about that. And, I mean, look, as we talked about in the first hour, 
I, I appreciate the, the ability of legitimate protests and that, that, that's all well, well and good. And I think in Milwaukee, with a couple notable exceptions, the protests have been by and large peaceful. I think the police response has been measured. Yes, they use tear gas when people try to wander onto the freeway and, and take that over, but all right, I don't have a problem with that. But yet we're now in the situation where it seems to be that the police are the enemy when they are trying to do their job. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, what is is the end game? Is it really, all right, we, we turn areas of the city of Milwaukee into escape from New York, and we simply say, you know, we're, we're going to put up chain link fencing, and we're, we're not going to have the police respond to things. Because I'm going to tell you something, if the police can't show up and, I don't know, try to protect firefighters without having bricks thrown at them, well, pretty soon they're just going to make the call that they're not going to be going out there. And is that really the type of community that we want people to live in, Mayor Barrett? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your reaction to what happened yesterday and, and where we go from here. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. And, and one of the reasons I try not to watch the 10 o'clock news is that they're so the police chief is giving this, this press conference and, and one of the reporters and I honest to goodness don't know which station she was from uh, starts asking him all sorts of questions about okay now you, you've got this building that's burned down you've got people that are throwing bricks at the police officers you've got this vigilante mob that is is trying to you know storm into the, the, this place while the investigators are trying to gather evidence and the questions were well you know was this an overreaction Action by the police was an excessive use of force. You know, but why? Why did you use the tear gas? And I'm thinking, you know, you you want to talk about the cluelessness that that is out there? Don't you kind of see the, this big picture? Now I got a text from somebody who says, "Well, you know, Jeff, this has been a problem house for a while." Yeah, and, and that's why they they say they they've been out there like uh, the, uh, dozens and dozens of times. So I don't know if this house was. I, I don't know if it was being used as as a place to you know store the women that were being used for prostitution. I, I don't know any about that, but but the cops have been there on multiple occasions, time after time after time, and and they haven't been able to get cooperation, and they they haven't been able to find the people. But it, it's not like they, they haven't been back there. So then you have this mob that decides they're going to take matters into their own hands, and they're going to lash out at the police, and they're going to lash out at the firefighters. Well, what's the option here? I mean, what what is the end game? Is the end game simply that okay we're not going to respond to some of these things because we don't want people attacking firefighters or attacking police officers and throwing brisk bricks at them and and again i understand the frustration that the police chief has as you're trying to enforce the law and and, and by the way where is the mayor on on things like this and you know is, is it time maybe we start to get a little bit of support to the police instead of saying well gee they they used tear gas when the people were coming in they were trying to disperse the mob after they were trying to burn the house down well yeah i i understand 855-616-1620 karen in milwaukee karen you're on wtmj Hey, thanks for taking my call, Jeff. Hi, I, I just wanted to respond. Hi. I just wanted to respond that it just seems like people are more out of control. Um, I won't even call it organized chaos, but, you know, as you described earlier with, you know, maybe people acting, you know, in some degree of vigilanteism, mm-hmm. um, I can appreciate the fact that, you know, there's a community 
interest in terms of, you know, trying to capture these girls that yep. maybe were being held against their will if these homes were being used for human trafficking. But to see, you know, the action um, be taken to the degree that you're burning down a home and a vehicle that could have very well um, housed some of the evidence that could have been used to prosecute these individuals, you're not thinking things through well enough to allow police to properly investigate matters and, uh, you know, get these people locked up, which is what we would want, I would think. Um, you know, I just I just don't know. Um, I don't agree with the thought process and defunding the police and that sort of thing. When, when I'm in trouble or I need the police and I call them, I want them to be able to respond. And it just seems as though our resources are already waning, um, that we need more officers, not less officers, you know, out there to try and support and combat some of these larger issues that well, we're, we're dealing with. Right. You know, and Karen, and that's not to say that there aren't problems with, with police departments and things like that. And there's not improvement that you can make. But, but yeah, when, when, when you having something like this going on and you have, if you live on that block and you've got this mob that's just lit that is now burning like a house that's three houses down from you i want the firefight i want the fire department to come and put out the fire before it spreads and takes up a whole city block yeah my husband and i were coming home you know we we got off of the freeway on the west side of sherman park this was two three days ago and, you know, I, I can't say that these were this was a, a protest in, you know, a development stage, but, you know, we were coming just around the park area to get to our house, and there was a roadblock of vehicles and civilians that, that forced us to turn around. These weren't even law enforcement individuals, and so, you know, you don't want to engage in escalate a situation. Sure. So, you know, to keep the peace, we turned around, but they were very insistent that we turned around. So I don't even know who they were. But, you know, I've seen a couple of these organized protests and you have people on bicycles in these vests. And, you know, I just worry if, if for nothing else, small children or, um, you know, vulnerable adults even that wow. are, are maybe partaking in some of this, that they just don't even seem safe sometimes. And uh, I just feel like my own rights are compromised at times, you know, and I'm Mm. thinking I want to respect, you know, the the effort. But at the same time, you're not above the law. No, exactly. Thanks for calling. Right. Exactly. And and if you want police cooperation, if if you want to live in a civilized society, in a civil society, you, you don't throw bricks at police officers i mean seriously you you don't you know you you don't try to injure firefighters that that are there is this kind of the chaos you want you know there's an interesting story in um it's out of minneapolis and it's a big story in the new york times today of of this and it's it's about this and she self-described liberal white woman who lives in this area right by where the the George Floyd, um, you know, murder, I'm going to use the word murder, I think it was a murder, murder was. And and she had had kind of made this commitment. She said, you know, I'm just, I I appreciate that maybe I'm part of the problem by calling the police and things like that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm not going to exercise my privilege. I'm, I'm not going to call the police. I'm not going to get involved because, you know, maybe the police are an occupying force. It's a big story in the New York Times. And and so that's been her philosophy for the last couple of weeks. And what's happened is you've had all these 
protesters slash anarchists that have that have moved in um, into a park right across the street from her. And now it's become like an open air drug market because a lot of the people that are, are there are, you know, have drug problems or alcohol problems. So all the drug dealers have swarmed there. And now you've got shootings and you've got all these things. And the woman is saying, this is, this is only a couple of weeks ago. And I kind of made the decision I wasn't going to call the police. And now... I'm sort of like a prisoner in in my own home because that that whole idea of gee we'll we'll create this police free zone and it's going to be that this wonderful Garden of Eden hasn't really turned out that well, um, which should be no surprise to most of us. All right, just got a note here: the governor, who I just described as weak, um, for his response to the things that have been going on in Madison. The governor is going to join John McCure, 3.20 p.m., to discuss what happened in Madison last night. My note says, please promote accordingly. Done it. So Tony Evers is going to be um, with John McCure, 3.20, to discuss what happened in Madison last night, and more importantly, perhaps, what the response is going to be moving forward. All right, back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a text. Jeff, my son will be attending UW-Milwaukee this fall as a freshman. My wife and I have been talking frequently about his safety. My belief is this crazy protesting, looting activity won't stop until the silent majority steps in. I don't know what this will look like, but our political leaders don't seem to have any interest in curtailing this behavior or allowing law enforcement to do their jobs effectively. Yeah, There is an element to that. You, You have the mayor and members of the Common Council that are quick to denounce the police when they use, hey, they've, they've used tear gas to try to disperse a crowd that's parading down the freeway. Or, or yes, you've had this mob that's formed around this particular house that they're going to then burn down, and they've used tear gas there without maybe being concerned about the behavior of the mob in the first place. Yeah, that is an issue. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> Ask this question seriously. What would the world look like if some of these protesters got their way? Now, right before the break, I told you the story about the, the woman in, in Minneapolis who who was like, okay, I, I want to be more woke. And I, I want to, I, I don't want to call the police on people because the police are this occupying force and they're going to come and they're going to arrest people. And this is a woman who lives a few blocks away from where um, George Floyd was, was, was killed. And so she said, okay, I'm not going to call the cops. And what she's found out has happened is over the last couple of weeks, you've had a large group of people who've moved into this public space uh, across the street from her, and it's turned into an open-air drug market because a lot of them want to buy dope. And so now what's happened is you've got a lot of the drug dealers that are lining up, and they're selling the drugs, and you've got shootings, and you've got all this violence, and you've got the loud noise, all this type of stuff. And she's like, well, I, I try not to call the police, but now... I'm afraid to go outside of my house because, well, it's just chaos there. All right. Well, that's the only not the only story like that you have in Atlanta. You know, you you have that that Wendy's, the the drive through. Everybody knows the incident now where Rayshard Brooks, he was the guy that was was asleep slash passed out in the drive through lane at that Wendy's. Um, they called the cops. The cops came. There was this 40-minute thing. I talked about that last week. And then ultimately, they try to arrest him. He tries to run. One of the police officers shoots him in the back. I think it's an unjustified shooting. But 
you know, regardless, the next night protesters show up, they burn down the Wendy's. Okay, the Wendy's had nothing to do with the the police interaction, but they burned down the Wendy's. Now you have armed protesters that have taken up space in the parking lot where this all happened, where the Wendy's was before it was burned down. Um, So there's a large group of people that are there. People living in the area have complained that the protesters are not peaceful, um, that they're blocking people on the street from getting by, that they're doing drugs, that they're shooting at each other, and and they're complaining now that the police aren't moving in and trying to move these people out because they don't want to provoke an encounter. In Seattle, you, you've had this, what do they call it? They call it the, the CHOP district, the Capitol Hill organized protest, where the, the mayor of Seattle, channeling Governor Tony Evers and channeling the mayor of Madison, decided to just let these anarchists take over six blocks of, of downtown Seattle. And, you know, how has that worked out? Well, now you've got, you know, you've got shootings, you've got vandalism, you've got absolute anarchy. And now they're saying, well, we, we've asked them to leave. And if they don't leave, we're going to we're going to get serious about moving them out. Well, OK, that that's great. But it's a lot tougher to move people out than it is to stop them from getting there in the first place. But you have all these different samples of what's going on where you you have essentially allowed people to to take over areas and and the results aren't aren't pretty. Our number eight, five, five, six, one, six, one, six, twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this what a world without police would look like? And do we really want something like this? And I guess one of the things that's so frustrating to me is the way these stories are being covered isn't from the approach of this is insanity, armed people taking over where the burned out Wendy's store was. It is insanity to allow people to occupy six blocks of a major metropolitan city in the United States or nine blocks or however much it is. And and then wonder, gee, you know, what, what could possibly go wrong with this? It's one story after another. Same thing is true in Minneapolis. I get it. The cops don't want to provoke confrontations now. The, the cops view are viewed by some segments of society as being an occupying force. So, okay, we're, we're not going to enforce the laws. So what ends up happening? Well, the area gets taken over and it's turned into an open-air drug market and you've got crime and you've got assaults. And, and then you wonder, gee, wh- you know, why? where are the police? Well, the police aren't there because people don't want them there, or at least they say they don't want them there. What is a world without police going to look like? And is that really a world that you want to live in? I, I was kind of joking a couple weeks ago when I said, okay, for all these people who wanted to fund the police and do away with them, let's pick a couple cities and let's try it as a beta test. Let's pick a couple cities and let's see how that goes. Well, I was trying to be funny or at least tongue-in-cheek, well, now you're seeing that. You've got part of that that's happened in Seattle. You've got part of it that's happened in Atlanta. You've got a portion of that that's happening in Minneapolis. We're seeing what it looks like. And you know what? It isn't a pretty picture. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by the way, while I'm at it, you know, where... Where, where are we going to get future generations of police officers? I mean, seriously, if this is the thing, if you go out to try to 
I don't know, stop a home from being burned down and you're going to have bricks thrown at you and you're not going to have support from the mayor. You're not going to have support from the common council. What's the what's the upshot of all this? Is this really a world that we want to live in? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me give Drew a chance to get the calls on the line. We are back to discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. And, and, and by the way, before we start in this conversation, I understand that law enforcement is not perfect. And so I, I, I get all that. But at the same time, I, I mean, what, what happens if we believe and we view the police as occupying forces and we simply turn over large sections of metropolitan areas to to people to do what they want in them? I mean, is that really where we want to go? Let's start with Lucy on the west side. Hi, Lucy. Hi, can you hear me? Or I can. Do I need to get nope, up nope, you're good. Okay. Um, well, in answer to your question, what you will eventually get is Baghdad, because the community, a police force will grow up. It's what police force do you want? Do you want a government-sanctioned police force that's controlled by an elected government, sort of, or do you want uh, militias? Because a community is not going to go without any kind of law enforcement forever, but do you want vengeance law enforcement and or the Crips and the Bloods? Or do you want something, however imperfect it is, right. that we call a police force? So that, that's my answer to your question. But I had another question. Um, this issue of, has been festering for years and years about missing persons and black kids gone missing and that the police treat blow off the complaints. And what I want to know, and Morales has not said, is what does it take for an Amber Alert? What does he mean when he says that these girls were deemed not to be critically missing? Is that a euphemism for for he thinks, well, we thought they were runaways and they'd show up home in 24 hours? I just want, that's honestly a question. That's not me taking a swipe. No, I think it's a fair Um, question. But there needs to be a better way to deal with this because there is such a level of distrust now. And Morales says that people won't cooperate with the police. Well, there's kind of a reason. Um, Maybe that whole department needs to be overhauled in how they deal with missing persons because, you know, the guy on the desk at the 3rd District can be dismissive when some wailing mother comes in and says her kid's missing. But there's a lot of sex trafficking in Milwaukee, and it goes under the radar. And these, you know, the the kids that get caught up in this aren't Ozzie and Harriet Holmes. And it's a hard, hard issue. But at the end of the day, these little girls are victims. No, and Lucy, thanks. I mean, look, and, and I think that that that's a fair question on that. I think we both agree too that the response, though, is when the police are there and they're trying to investigate, that the appropriate response isn't you're throwing bricks at the cops or things like that. But that's a fair question to ask the to ask the chief. I guess I just the, the bigger picture here is we we have more and more people who are trying to who view the police flaws and all as this occupying force. We are starting to see how this is working out. And, you know, after 
Baltimore, classic example of this. You know, Baltimore, really the homicide capital of the United States, when you look at it, something per capita. And, and part of the thing that happened is after you, you had the the effort to go after the police after Freddie Gray died in custody a couple of years ago, the police started dialing back the aggressiveness of their enforcement. And, and what happened? Well, crime just went completely and totally out of control. So I guess that's my question is, is that the environment that you want to live in? I mean, do, do we want to? And I think you're exactly right, Lucy. I mean, whenever I think about this, the word I use is, is you were saying militia. It, it, it's warlords. I mean, that's that's what's going to happen. Go into the warlord business and end up providing security for places because people, at least some people, are going to demand security, but most people are just going to say, we're, we're moving out. If we can get out, we're going to get out. Let's talk to Jim in New Berlin. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I, I you know, I look back at this chop district in Seattle, and I'm thinking, how in the world did that ever allow it to be yeah. take place, first of all? But I also, you know, there's there's got to be funding coming from somewhere for backing this, um, you know, the police occupying mm-hmm. viewpoint. And the other the other thing I, I don't know, but maybe, maybe it's time, we got so many kids that don't know where they're heading, what they're doing, maybe we need a, a actually need a service, government service-related year-long program or something to kind of get some of these heads straightened out a little bit because there's, there's a lot of BS that's, that's coming in from many different directions, and, I, and they don't know where they're going, and, mm-hmm. and it's just being fed that way. Well, if, you know, one of the I'm, I'm all for the bricks doesn't make sense to me either. Yeah, no, right, right, thanks, right, right. I understand if you're if you're unhappy with police response. Okay, so now the police are on the scene. Let's throw bricks and let's burn down the building and let's try to attack the firefighters. Well, oh, but by the way, we've got people that are shooting each other in in the crowd. I mean, it's just it's like it's it's Lord of the Flies. It's Escape from New York. And you know, somebody was saying, well, it gives you plenty of stuff to talk about. They said that to me yesterday, and I said, no, I, I'm just. I, I, it, it is exhausting to me to, to have this stuff and just to see kind of the insanity that is out there. And again, I understand we have an imperfect, we have imperfect systems. Guilty people walk away sometimes. I, I, I get it. The, the police don't always do the right thing. But, but in general, it, it is our system and it's how we maintain order. And if we think that, you know, we're going to be able to, you know, live in an environment where we, we don't have people that are maintaining order, well, it, it's stuff like happened yesterday in Madison. Because, you, you, again, you, you have these people that are out there, and hopefully it's a small segment of society, who just think that they can do anything they want. And, I mean, look at the way the thing in Madison started. I mean, it's a guy walks into a restaurant with a megaphone and a baseball bat and starts screaming at people. And, and he he is somehow a victim. I'm sorry. That guy was not a victim. If I'm in a store or I'm in a business or I'm a business owner and some character comes into my store and starts screaming at my customers with a baseball bat and a megaphone, you're damn right I want him arrested if he refuses to leave. And, and then the fact that we're going to make this guy a martyr, you know, free, whoever his name was. No. <laughs> I mean, we there, there are people who refuse to abide by the, the, the tenets of civilization. Now, you know, some of the behavior is worse than others. 
numbers. But bottom line is, you know, you need law enforcement to to rein that in. And for the people like in Madison yesterday who said, well, don't be this is not going to be a peaceful protest. No, I mean, they, they stated their objectives and, and it and it wasn't. But there, there's no sympathy. There should be no sympathy for this. And and, you know, if, if you've got elected officials, whether you've got mayors or people in common councils that are afraid to stand up because they're cowered by they're afraid of the mob or they're afraid that they might be labeled as being politically incorrect because they denounce this type of behavior or they denounce that type of behavior. Well, it, it's it, it's time for them to grow up and grow a spine and recognize that most people and it doesn't matter what your race is. Most people. You, you want a nice life. You want a normal life. You you don't want to have to live in fear that, gosh, if I walk out of my house, I'm going to get caught in a crossfire or that there's an open air drug market that's going across the street. That Most of us, we, we want to live our lives and we want to be left alone and we want to have peace and we want to have quiet. We want to be able to do the things that we like. And unfortunately, we, we need the cops for that. Frank in Bayview. Frank, you're on WTMJ. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Um, we've we've had uh, we've had examples recently enough uh, here in Milwaukee with the police uh, deciding not to pursue um, stolen cars or thieves, rather. Yeah. And example after example, the Occupy movement uh, in New York not too many years ago. It, it seems like whenever we elect to roll back some of these laws, which they are laws, the, it's the criminal element that immediately finds a way to abuse them uh, to their benefit. We've got to drop the hammer. Somebody has to be the first one, be it a police chief or a mayor or a governor, and say, we're not going to tolerate anymore this. this mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to no. crap. We're <laughs> not going to tolerate it anymore because it's, it's, it's illegal behavior. If you're breaking a law, you're going to get punished, plain and simple. There can't be allowances made for it because of the subject matter behind it. Right. Right, and unfortunately, no, no, Frank, thanks for calling. You know, and unfortunately, it's now gotten to a point where, you know, it's the police action, and this is, it is, it's one of the things that drove me nuts when I was watching the the press conference during the 10 o'clock news with Morales, is is you've got these reporters that are saying, okay, you got you got a burning building. The building's on, the building was on fire, and the police had bricks thrown at them, and there were attacks, and there shootings, and the, you know, the reporter is like, well, you know, what, what was the police response? Did they use tear gas? I mean, that's, you want to say, what? I mean, th- this is where your priority is, but unfortunately, that mirrors, I think, too often where the mayor of the city is, where people in the common council are. But it's it's not just unique to Milwaukee. This is going on all around the country, and I seriously wonder what what is where are we going to get the next generation of police officers? You know, one of the things they're starting to see in a lot of these urban areas, Minneapolis and Atlanta in particular, they're, they're starting to see a large number of police officers retire. They say, look, we we don't think we have the support of of our mayors. We don't think we have the support of our elected officials. And so, you know what? We're 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 done. And, you know, we, we saw that in Milwaukee a number of years ago. I had a lot of ba- back in the day, you know, I, I knew lots of people who were on the police force and, you know, they the new police chief came in and they didn't get along or didn't like him. So you had all these police officers that could have stayed another few years, but they were eligible for retirement and they decided to, to go. That's one of the things that I think you're going to start seeing more of the senior officers, more of the experienced people just deciding, OK, we, we, we don't need to put up with this. What was the word the last call used? Crap. We don't need to put up with this crap anymore. Or, you know we're 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 going to move on, and and that leaves the, this vacuum that, that's out there. And I guess, you know, I, I understand that you have pendulums that swing, and this 
the, this whole area of the protests and the violence and that type of stuff, the, the, the pendulum had swung one way and everybody wants to say, okay, well, there's nothing to see here. Well, there is something to see here, and maybe maybe it's time to sort of ratchet this back. And by the way, as I said in the first hour of the program, for everyone who, you know, is legitimately concerned with, with some of the very real issues, you know, facing racial justice and equity in this country today. I'm telling you, stuff like happens when the mobs get out of control or people take over areas of the city and you have the shootings and you have the open-air drug markets and you have the violence and the rioting that went on in Madison last night. That, that hurts the movement because there's a lot of people that are, are maybe underlying sympathetic to the cause but at the same time, they don't want to be part of that group at all. And I, I think it's more and more likely that a lot of these protest movements are starting to get hijacked by the anarchists. And, you know, maybe it's time for some of the elected officials to start standing up and seriously giving more than lip service to trying to get order restored in the various communities. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. We're going to lighten it up in this next hour just because I, I just, as I said earlier, I find this stuff to be exhausting. So hang around for just a minute, Melissa. But before we do that, I do want to share two incredibly thoughtful emails that I re- uh, text that I received over, over the break that kind of go to the, the last point that I was making. And that is, and, and it's something that people like Tom Barrett and other urban leaders need to be aware of. And, and that is that if we do not support our police, if we give in to those that view them as the occupying force, pretty soon you're going to have, you know, trouble finding finding people who want to do the job. Let me just share two of these texts. Jeff, I am a law enforcement officer in the Milwaukee area. I have two years to retire, and candidly, I'm considering quitting right now like many other officers around the United States. The basic reason for this is because I feel like we do not have the support anywhere. There is a serious issue going on in this country. When I joined my department, we used to have 2,000, 3,000 applicants for jobs. Nowadays, we get maybe about 150 that apply. Out of that number, we end up hiring maybe 20 to 30. I will tell you, the future looks very dim for this career. Here's another text. Um, Jeff, I've been a police officer for 38 years. When I tested for the police department in 1982, we had 350 applicants show up. When we tested last year, we got 30 applications. If the public thinks officers today are bad, just wait. See if this anti-cop, what happens when this anti-cop nonsense continues. We may have to lower our hiring standards to such a point that none of the officers will be worth a hoot. Okay, so, you know, when, for all the aldermen out there in Milwaukee that have decided that it is fashionable to be anti-police for you know other elected officials who think this is the side of history they want to be on be careful what you wish for because you may just get it all right let us switch gears completely there are two types of people in this world and grew i want you to participate as well two types of people one type of person is i'm going to fix it if i think it's broken The other type of person is, I'm going to call someone to fix it if I think it is broken. All right, Melissa, which of those people are you? Are you, Mm. I think this is wrong, I'm going to jump in, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and fix it, or I better call somebody. Well, it depends on what it is. 
Because I think I would probably try to figure it out myself first. Yeah. And then if that doesn't work, I wouldn't be afraid to call somebody. Okay. Gruel. I think I'm cheap and delusional enough to think that I can do it myself and like look it up on the internet or th- something like that. But the success rate for me, uh, not that not that great. <laughs> no, no. See, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because, see, I learned, I, first of all, I, I, if there is a handyman gene or handy person gene out there, I did not get that. I don't blame my parents. I got a lot of good traits from my mom and dad, but I, I did not get that. So, I, I mean, I didn't grow up in a do-it-yourself, fix-it kind of thing. So... When my, my first house was this, and, and we ended up living there for 30 years, it was a, you know, in the National Register of Historic Homes, it was a 100-year-old home, and it had all the issues that you would typically have. In the first two years that I lived there, I, I learned a couple things. First of all, when there was a problem with, like, electricity or plumbing, and it was an older house, or, you know, fill in the blank, number one, if I tried to fix it, I couldn't fix it. And number two, I normally not only couldn't fix it, but I made it worse. So I, I just I, I learned early on, you know, there's the, the, maybe the deal is if the electricians and the plumbers, if they promise not to do radio talk shows and practice law, I'll promise not to do the plumbing and stuff. So anyhow, so here 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 is the the deal. So um, I have I have in our upstairs shower. It happens to be the shower that I use all the time. The the handle. Where you you turn the, the the thing on, it's it's been getting progressively looser. You know, it's kind of like it's like sort of oh, wobbling. Yeah, you know, problem. where uh-huh. you, you you turn the thing on. Yeah. Now in, in other showers, I, in my my old house, and I, we've been in the place we we're in for like two and a half years. But my old place, what what you did is there was this little cap that you could pull off, and you could put a screwdriver, like an Allen wrench, in, and you could tighten the thing. Okay. And so I, to your point, Gru, I go on the internet and I'm, I'm looking at saying, oh, for most of these things, you, you know, you'll be able to find like a set screw or something in there and you can tighten it. Well, I'm looking all over in this particular model of, of there's shower no thing. Screw. There's no <laughs> screw. And I'm looking all over and I'm, I'm thinking, am I this moron that I can't find it? But there's no screw. So now I'm looking at this and I'm figuring that there's got to be, and it's, and it's, it's getting progressively looser. And so I, I know. That if I don't do anything sooner or later, probably on the 4th of July or some Sunday, that, that's when the thing's going to give way and I'm not going to be able to shut off the water. And it's the upstairs shower and there's not a shut off that's there. So I'm going to have to turn off the water to the whole house. So I, I, it's, it has been bothering me. It's been, you know, it's bugging me because it's getting worse. It's not, it's not a problem yet, but it's getting worse and it's going to be a problem. So I, I did spend about 30 minutes of my life on a couple different occasions looking for things and I, I can't figure this out because it keeps saying there should be a set screw and there isn't. So finally, I, I break down and I, I call a plumber. You know, so I, I called him on Monday, and 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 I know it, I know it's going to be a simple thing. I, I understand it's going to be a simple thing, but you know what? It's just beyond me. So the guy comes out eight o'clock this morning. They're on time. We go up, and he looks at it, and then he says, "Yeah, this is the one model that there's not a set screw. Of what, course, what, there's <laughs> not a set screw. What you do is you hold this here, mm-hmm. and then you, you you turn it there at the base, and the thing comes off. And then he says, "Yeah, this is what your problem is. This thing is loose, and here I'll put in a new washer and put that in, and and it takes him all of about three minutes, and then he resets it. But now, it, first of all, now I know how it works, and secondly, it's not loose anymore. Well, perfect. So it, right, and it's and." 
okay, it, it was it was about a hundred bucks, yeah. you know, for but but, but that's was, worth it. Well, okay, well that's where I'm going with this. It was about a hundred bucks to have the guy come out and to do. He says, look, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, you know we've got a minimum thirty minute charge, and it's, it, so it was like a hundred dollars or whatever. And after this happens, my wife says. You know, and she's like, well, you know, maybe we could have had, you know, my, my son-in-law or something come over and fix it and all this and you know, save the money. And I said, you know what? I just, I didn't mind spending that money at all because if I had tried to do it, I probably wouldn't have figured it out. I wouldn't have been comfortable, like, trying to dismantle this whole thing because I'd be afraid I'd get the damn thing apart and not be able to get it back in. And... I would make a mess that would cost me not $150, but or 100 bucks. It would cost me $500 because the whole thing would have to be replaced and the inconvenience. So, I mean, I guess I viewed this as, okay, it's a learning experience, and, and it's $100 well spent. Now, do you understand, Gru, where I'm coming from on that? Yeah, yeah, I can understand that for it, sure. Exactly. All right. But I understand there's probably also people who say, you, you called a plumber for, for that? All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I understand that there are people who are incredibly handy, who can do electricity, who can do plumbing, who can make these repairs. I'm not one of those people. Now, I, I'm, I'm reasonably smart, and I'm able to figure out what the problem is. But at this, a lot of times I'm able to figure out you know what the problem is or what that noise is or whatever. But actually, the repairs... I like to leave it to the pros. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you have somebody like that in your life? Are, are you, I mean, like I say, there's two types of people. Are you the, I'm going to fix it, I understand how to do this, I am incredibly handy, at which point in time I, I say, go with God, That that's great. Or are you like me, somebody that knows your limitations and knows that, you know, I, I know this is something simple, but at the same time, it's just better to call a professional and I, I'm willing to spend the money to get it fixed right and, and now also to see how it gets fixed right. So, you know, I, if, if it happens again, now I know that I shouldn't be afraid about doing this. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should you be embarrassed to call professional help? <laughs> you know, when, when it comes to like simple handyman things, I, I've learned over the years, just just don't because I tend to make it worse. All right, we discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I wanted to share this story because I know you might be out there thinking, you, you called a plumber because there was a, a shower faucet handle that was loose and you couldn't figure out how to tighten it? Yes, I did. I I, I admit it. And you know what? I, I don't apologize for it at, at all. And candidly, it was money well spent because now the thing is fixed and I saw how the guy fixed it. And yeah, it only took him five minutes, but now I, I know that for the future. And if I had tried to do it myself... I, I'm concerned that I, I wouldn't have been able to get that same result, and I would have made things worse. And then, you know, we had had to shut off the water to the house, and it would have been five hundred bucks because I broke it. No, I, 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 you know, I have no problem with just kind of calling the pros from time to time. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. I definitely would have called. I'm so bad with that that I tried gluing an arm on a sculpture just last night, and it was such an epic fail that I ultimately threw the sculpture away 
got Gorilla Glue and Scotch tape stuck all over my <laughs> fingers, and I had to go to a nearby store to buy nail polish to get it all off. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. That's that, that, that's it. No, I, I, thanks for going. That, that's kind of it. You know, even even sometimes it's the simple stuff, and and, and you kind of get into the middle of it, and all of a sudden you start to realize I'm quickly getting beyond my depth, and now the problem, the the problem that I went to fix. Number one, I'm not fixing it, and and number two, it's now starting to get worse, and I got to go back to the hardware store for this or or that or or the other thing, and I guess I'm just. Uh, again, now, are, are there some things that I, I might take on myself? Well, yes, but but in general, when it's like plumbing and electricity, for sure, I just I, I just I don't want to fool around with it because I don't know what I'm I'm doing. There's lots of stuff that I'm good at, but um, eh, plumbing and electricity scares me. Bill in Milwaukee. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey Jeff, this is your furnace repair man, Bill oh, calling. Oh hi Bill. Yeah, I don't repair I don't repair <laughs> furnaces either, by the way, my friend. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Hey, you know, I see this I see it from the other side. You know, as I'm not the person needing help, I'm the person giving help. And I'll see people try to do things and really cause cause a lot of damage. Yeah. And it, it could have been that hundred dollar ticket that you're talking about. And a hundred dollars is a lot of money. It stings a little bit. But you know, this in the times we're in right now, it makes me think, you know, African-Americans and, and Caucasians and all these different people are having a hard time getting along, and we're trying to find common ground. And the reason the world is a, such a beautiful place, in my opinion, is that I have the DNA from my grandfather and father that to, to be able to repair things. Uh-huh. And you have the DNA from your predecessors to be a talk radio host and, mm-hmm. and to do the things that you did before you were a talk radio host right. successfully. And that's why the world works. I'm good at what I'm good at, and you're good at what you're good at. Yeah. And, you know, we all have our own special talents, and together we can get everything done. Um, yeah. you Absolutely. Know, and, and that's just, it is what it is. I've got to pay you for what you're good at, and you pay me, and, and we all, you know, and it just, I, in the end, it. Absolutely. It is, you know, but there's a lot of masculinity and pride in this, too, and guys are afraid sometimes to call and admit that they don't know how to do something. <laughs> that, that, but it that, doesn't, we don't look at it that way. No, no, thank, thanks, I don't care. No, thanks for the call, Bill, and you'll, I'm, you'll, you'll be out at the house sometime in the relatively near future for the furnace checkup. I appreciate that. No, no, th- Sounds th- good. Thanks, Jeff. No, thanks for calling. No, it's funny that, that he should mention that because we have, it, it, it's actually, it's a true, we have, in addition to the furnace, we have this air cleaner. And you have to change the filters on the air cleaner. I tried that once. And you wouldn't think it's that big a deal. And and it may very well not be that big a deal, but you know, it, it, the air cleaner is kind of up at the top of the ceiling, and you got to like get on a ladder and you got to take this off, and then you got to like wedge the new filter into the cleaner. It, it, and I couldn't get it to fit. I, and again, I, I'm sure this is a this is a failing. Uh, okay, Bill comes out. He he does it in like. 10 minutes okay that that that's fine if if nothing else just the it's worth it for to avoid the the aggravation a man has to know his limitations jeff in whitefish bay jeff you're on wtmj good afternoon yeah hi jeff uh well your furnace guy took some of my thunder but uh i'd say kind of the same thing i'm a tech guy and i fix people's computers and and you know pretty handy and so 
you know, when it comes to doing other things, I used to have this philosophy that, oh, I can do that myself. You know, I can paint a room. I can work <laughs> on electricity. And then I realized that, you know, I can earn more money doing what I do and <laughs> then pay someone to do what they do better. Because if I paint that room, is it going to come out as good as if a professional right. does it? No, it's not. So I can use those six hours to you know, fix someone's computers and do that kind of thing. And then I'll earn money, and now I can pay someone who's a painter to do it, and that's kind of what makes the world go round and the economy work, you know? It, it, well, it, it is, and you've got the skills for the, the tech stuff, and I'm, and I'm sure there's a, there's a lot. I, I know just enough about that to, to be dangerous. I can normally puzzle stuff out. <laughs> but, but for the complicated things I call people, and my guess is there's a lot of people that are just kind of babes in the woods when it comes to that, and if they start messing around with their computers, yeah. they have just made it worse, and then they made your job. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes people people call me too late and after the fact. And, and you know, and then that painter I hire, he can now, you know, uh, use the money he's earned to pay pay a plumber <laughs> to come and you yeah. know, snake his drain or something. So, again, it just it goes pay it forward from there, you know? Right. No, thanks, Nicole. See, you're making me feel better about that because it, it did. It's it's kind of like, could you turn in your man card because there's this, like, loose loose faucet handle and you know you and again i i did go on the internet and it says okay there's supposed to be the set screw well there's not a set screw in this particular one and after that it's like okay i'm not going to try to figure out how to take this thing apart i felt it was a hundred dollars well spent let's talk to keith and fond du Lac. keith you're on wtmj good afternoon good afternoon uh you know i'm the type of guy that if something is wrong i'll take a look at it no i'm not a handyman which really sucks because my wife grew up in a family where they tear their engines apart every winter just for the heck of it. And uh, a few years ago, I came home from work one day, and my wife said, the wash machine's broken, it, it's full of water, it won't drain. So okay. me being the uh, mechanical Einstein I am, I went and I looked at everything, I checked the breaker, the whole works, I couldn't figure it out. So I called the local uh, appliance store, and they sent the service tech over, who happened to be a woman, and she took a look at it. Uh, after about 30 seconds, she plugged it in, and it worked fine. <laughs> so you talked about wanting to turn in your man card. I, I not only wanted to turn it in, I almost had to burn it. So that's my story. No, they, that, no that, and, I'm, and I'm sure your wife has never let you forget that. Isn't that the, the, the thing? I, okay, I just, I, I just I thought this was going to be a little fun thing. That was the experience today. Um, Jeff, thanks to growing up with a father who thought he could fix everything and could actually fix nothing. I learned the right way to make household repairs. Now I donate my time and skills to help friends and neighbors. Well, that's that's good. And again, I have friends who are much more handier than me, and that's and that's by the way, not saying very much. But you know, it, it's like you know, you you hate to impose on that. Jeff, let me tell you this a text. Let me give you a story of an epic fail. We bought a different brand of furnace air cleaner. Thought it would be easy to install. However, this one came without the framework. It collapsed in the unit. Fortunately, did not run the fan that much, or we would have burnt the fan out also. Um, yeah, sometimes you just you leave it to the professionals. Jeff, I can kind of do all this stuff. I'm kind of a jack of all trades, but I'm finally at the point where I don't have to do it. Time is money, and I can earn more doing what I do best than I will to have to pay somebody coming out and making a fix or a repair. That's right. We all do things. You know, we, we all are good at different stuff. Jeff, the older I get, the more I'm with you. <laughs> I, I, I understand that. Jeff, I grew up on a farm. I can fix anything. Because of this, I was in charge of a salvage area at my place of work. I consider it a challenge, and it's a good feeling to help others with this gift. Um, well, and I, and, and see, and I get that, and I appreciate it would be a challenge, but you know what? I, I have all sorts of other challenges in my life, and, you know, trying to figure out 
why why this particular socket isn't I had another story like that. Okay, I, I had this 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 light enclosed light bulb above of some light or recessed lighting and ceiling over my desk and the, the thing keeps overheating and the bulb keeps shutting off and it's and it's like okay, I'm reading about all this and I'm thinking, Jeff, it's electricity. Your rule is you let it go. You call the guy that, that handles this. And so I called him, and he said, yeah, I'll come out and look at that. And I, I know what's going on. I can fix it in probably about 10 minutes. And I said, good, because if I did it, I would probably short-circuit half the house. you got to know your limitations. This is Jeff Wagner.